Excuse me, take a few minutes to mellow out. Big Daddy Kane is on the mic, and I'ma tell about a minimum left of rhymes of strength and power. So listen to the man of the hour. Welcome back to another Basketball Insider edition of the No Further Comments podcast, episode number 14. It is July 9th. 2018 and of course we're listening to the smooth operator no other than Big Daddy Kane now listen last week when we did our episode number 13 we had Tupac to live and die in LA and it kind of fit the podcast because LeBron James had made a decision to go to the Los Angeles Lakers and you know it was just kind of a good theme to put Tupac at the uh, intro and outro of the show but we usually always on the Basketball Insider podcast, have the Big Daddy Kane. And, and this particular Big Daddy Kane smooth operator rendition is from the NPR Music Tiny Desk Concert Series. And if you haven't watched those, please go on YouTube and watch those. There's some great ones on there. And if you're a, a 90s hip-hop head like I am, they've got Rakim on there and ju just some old-school rappers. That is, it's funny to see them in this little like uh, it's like an office space and you know you've got a keyboardist and a saxophone guy and a, and a bass player and a drummer it's just really cool to see let's jump to our social media for the nfc podcast you can go on to instagram and twitter at nfc podcast we're also on facebook no further comments for those that want to hit me up on social media, uh-oh, here we go. You got a problem with something I said. You can get at me on Instagram and Twitter, at Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Snapchat for all my young listeners out there. You can uh, send me a snap at BigMeach41. I'm also on Facebook, Alex Meacham. As promised... Today's podcast is covering all things AAU basketball. Now listen, I've been talking about doing this podcast for, man, man, maybe about two months. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it this Monday. And the, the crazy part about it is I, I couldn't ask for a better setup than this weekend. There was a video that came out of an AU tournament in Atlanta and two teams are fighting. Well, I shouldn't say two teams are fighting. Two teams are playing and one team gets in a fight with the referee. We're gonna talk about that more in a second. But AU basketball. I'm also gonna talk a little LeBron James. We have two special guests coming on the show and uh, they're gonna talk a little AU basketball, uh, building relationships, and also LeBron James. Let's just dive right into it. Um, so this is going to be a lot of good stuff, this podcast. I, I can promise you that. I've been involved in AU basketball for the last 17 years. My organization is called Shining Star Sports. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shining Star AAU. Also on Facebook, Shining Star Sports. I played AU basketball growing up. And AU basketball currently, right now in 2018, has a lot of negative press attached to it. Some of it rightfully so. 
other other stuff I it's a stretch I, I think people are looking for a scapegoat for what's wrong with youth basketball in America and of course everybody points to AU and we're going to talk about why I disagree with some of that stuff but let's let's first go through what is AU AU stands for amateur athletic association it was founded in 1888 by William Buckingham Curtis. First of all, if your name is Buckingham, you, you, you are like big ball and like, that is big baller brand right there. Should be BBB, big Buckingham brand. Uh, I'm gonna name my first son Buckingham just cause you, you're just setting him up for successful stuff if your name is Buckingham. Matter of fact, just call me Buckingham from here out. Founded in 1888. I don't know what they were doing in 1888. Like that's just, Hard to even fathom that sports were going on in, in 1888, like basketball or whatever. I'm not even sure. They weren't even probably doing AU basketball in 1888. They weren't doing AU basketball in 1888. Uh, right now, AU, the national headquarters is in Orlando, Florida. There are over 700,000 members of AU. For all sports, there are multiple sports: soccer. There's a, you, of course, basketball. There's, gosh, badminton, karate. Um, and come to find out, there's actually cup stacking. That's right, folks. There is AAU cup stacking. I don't know how you get into cup stacking. Like, at what point you go? You know what? I'm gonna stack these cups. There's pickleball. There's. Uh, baton twirling all right there so there's a lot of diversity within AU you, you can go through the list of different AU sports and activities and you could pretty much find something so the AU world that I exist in with with shining star sports we've been involved the last 17 years and we got involved in a in a very interesting time of AU where in the state of Ohio AU basketball was very competitive but it was competitive in a different way than it is in 2018 it was competitive there were less there were less teams and programs in you know 1990 in 1995 in 1999 than there are in 2018. You've got, gosh, pop-up teams. Like, get, we're doing this podcast right now. It's 5.25 p.m. There'll be a new AU team that pops up at 5.30 p.m. today. I guarantee you that. It's just people start teams left and right. When I got involved in it um, early 2000s, you had to really you had to have a good rep to get involved so you couldn't just be a mom or pop off the street trying to put a team together and go out and really compete in, in tournaments. In fact, when I got into AAU, we tried to get into a couple tournaments that were bigger tournaments um, in, in our region here in the Midwest. And keep in mind, I had one team to start. Uh, one team and I coached it. And we tried to get in this tournament, and, this, and I called the tournament director, and I said, hey, you know, we've got a team out of Cincinnati, we're called Shining Star, and we want to get in your tournament. And he was like, who, who are you? Like, what? Like, you're not getting in this tournament. So, you know, you almost had to have a rep. 
And so we went on a waiting list to even get in this tournament. And uh, it took some time, but eventually we were able to get our teams and our, our program into this tournament. But we had to we had to build up. We had to go out and prove ourselves, you know, and, and go into like the state. They have state tournaments all over the country. And our state tournament in Ohio, you know, back in the early 2000s was tough. I mean, it was it was great competition. It, it was there. It wasn't it wasn't as watered down as it is today or it has been the last five or six years and that's no offense to any of these new teams it's just it's just different so to get into AU back in the day you know you had to let's let's say you played in the NBA or you played college basketball or you, you you've got some sort of tie to basketball that gives you a right to want to start like why should my son go play for you um, well, I played in the NBA or I played college basketball. I have, I'm a high school coach. I have this experience. So there was all that attached to AAU back then. Now, and, and remember this, dating back before AAU basketball was really a thing, and I think around 1972, 1972 was the first AAU national championship where boys and girls would compete for the coveted national champion AU prize, which really doesn't exist today. Well, they have a national championship in AU, but people don't view it as that. That team that won nationals in Orlando is not necessarily the best team in the country. So, but AU used to be in conjunction with the Olympics. So they used AU to prepare athletes for the Olympic Games. Now, that, that relationship broke away. I'm not sure what year it broke away, but at some point it, the, the, the relationship broke away. But um, let, let's talk about, I, I, wanted to, I wanna just get into two things, the positives and the negatives of AU from my standpoint. And listen, we've got some special guests coming on the show that are calling in. Um, I, I've got a gentleman calling in from Northeast Ohio um, I have another gentleman who's actually on vacation in Miami, Florida right now, lives in Las Vegas, and he's going to talk a little bit about his experience playing AU. But from my standpoint, I want to go through some positives and negatives. So let's start with the positives first. <clears throat> if you have a young son or daughter and you get them involved in AU at a young age, I think if you supplement the games that kid is playing with proper uh, basketball training, skill development training, you could really help your child. Here's what I mean by that. So I go out and I play, let's say I'm in um, sixth grade, so I'm 12 years old, I guess 11 or 12, and I go play in a tournament um, this weekend. So I play six, seven games in the weekend. And then I go back next week after that tournament and I go and I, I work on those things that maybe didn't go so well at that tournament and maybe some things I did well, I want to continue to do them well. So I do skill development training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe take Thursday off and back at it Friday and then you go play in another tournament. But you've got to put the time in and do the skill work, not just play games. And that's one problem 
that I think is occurring in America, but I think, it's, I think the tide's changing a little bit. But in America, we have been scoreboard, games, games, look at the scoreboard. Whereas, let's look at the European soccer model. They're more so training, training, training. Ah, let's go play a game. Training, training, training. Ah, let's go play a game. You see the difference there? They're working on the skill. So if they play a two-hour game, they've put in 16, 18 hours of skill work before they even play the game. I think that's the difference, and I think we need to do that more here in the States. So one of the positives with AU is, is being able to play competition and then take what you're working on from a skill standpoint and applying it to the games. And, and listen, you could go play an AU tournament, and you could play, let's say on Saturday, you could play three games. So you play at 9 a.m., you play at noon, and you play another game at 2. You have a lot of opportunities to work on your skill. And if, hey, listen, my 9 o'clock game doesn't go so well, you know what? Get over it. Go get some food. Come back. You got to play well at, at noon. You got to play hard. You know what? You, you play better at noon. Okay, great. But you better be ready at 2. So I think those are positive things. If, if I've got a son or daughter that's definitely something I look at as a positive, playing games where you can then take what you're working on, the skill set, and applying them to the games. Here's another positive. You're playing with kids from all different types of backgrounds, all different types of skill sets. So let's say that my son Johnny, my son's not named John, I don't have a son, but his name's not Johnny, but let's say Johnny goes and plays on a team and he's playing with kids from the east side of town, west side of town, kids that are uh, really fast off the dribble, um, guys that can shoot the ball really well. He's playing with a diverse group of players skill-wise, maybe how they grow up, they come from diverse backgrounds. I think all that is great. And the way we're going as a country, we need more of that. We need more of that at the youth level where kids of all different backgrounds are playing together, they're working together, they're understanding that, yeah, your skin might be different than mine or your parents' bank account is different than mine, but at the end of the day, we're the same. We're, 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 the, we're, we're people. We're working together. I need you, you need me. I've got the ball, I need to get you the ball, you need to make the shot. And I think that stuff, learning those things, plays off later in life when these, these young men and women have jobs and they're working at a company. That's another, huge, I think, huge positive. And then the other thing, too, is the exposure you get, especially at an older age with AU basketball. So you get to uh, the 16, 17-year-old level and you've got all these you know, coaches from D2, D1 levels talking to you, looking at you, even D3 schools, you get in front of them. So, 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 so take this, for example. I play high school basketball. I play 22, 23 high school basketball games. I go and play you for an entire season. And 
a college coach who has a budget at his college flies or drives to one AU tournament and he's able to watch 30 to 40 kids he's recruiting at one tournament and in some cases under one roof he doesn't have to go gym to gym under one roof budget wise that makes more sense for that college coach instead of okay I've got to go watch Johnny at McNick High School I've got to then go drive and watch um, James at Woodward High School or, or you know jump around where you're spending more money that's eating away at your budget where I can go to an AU tournament under one roof and watch 30 to 40 guys that I'm recruiting so from an exposure standpoint AU is excellent and very beneficial to a lot of kids and, and, and parents that are hoping I know some parents are hoping that their kids either get a scholarship or have an opportunity to go play college basketball. I've had kids in my program go and play at D3s that are very high academically. Without basketball, there's no chance they would have gotten into this particular school. So they go to a school to play basketball but also get an education. And they're one of the top academic D3s in the country. They leave there after four years with a great degree and also on the resume that they played four years of college basketball. Now, when that resume hits the desk of some CEO or president of a company, and you've got a guy or gal who is looking at it going, wow, four years of college basketball, four-year letter winner, great academic school. Man, this might be top of the pile. So... That exposure you get from AU basketball can help you later in life, and I'm giving you that as an example. All right, let's talk about some of the negatives. Uh, and, and just focusing in on three, I think one thing you see, there is a lack of fundamentals in AU. There's a lot of, um, there's not a lot, you, these kids come from, like I said, all different backgrounds, so there's not a lot of practicing. Our program practices a lot, but there are some programs where they don't practice. So you're rolling into a game and you're running very simple sets, very simple offensive plays because you just don't have the time to practice and have the proper execution of those plays. So a lot of times you hope that my player is better than your player. We clear out on one side and hopefully Johnny's able to break you down off the dribble or penetrate pitch and we hit a shot. And sometimes that's what it comes down to. That's not every situation with every single AAU team or every single AAU program. So there, there is a lack of fundamentals from that standpoint. They're not getting the same structure they might get in high school. Social media. I think social media is really, it's really changed up AAU because these kids are going out and they're playing in AAU games. They're, they're getting... Um, they're getting exposure from people videotaping them playing in an AU game and it's going up on Ball is Life or whatever outlet for, for basketball it is and then they, these kids are posted on their Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter these videos of them doing a crossover, shaking somebody up or whatever the case might be so social media is, is giving some kids this false um, it's just a false sense of reality where they think, oh, here's a clip of me crossing somebody over. That kid falls and I hit a jump shot. Now I'm, I'm, the, I'm the best shooting guard in the country. I'm posting this on Instagram. I'm getting 500 likes, so I must be a baller. 
And that's just that's just not that's not true. That's not the whole situation. So social media in some ways has has hurt AU basketball. Now, in in other ways, AU basketball is very unorganized. So you you might go, and that's dependent on the tournament you go to. So you might sign up and go to a tournament. The games don't start on time. The referees are there from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. Uh, and and that's, that, that causes a whole nother situation right there when, when referees are tired and they're not calling the game the right way. That creates a bad atmosphere. Uh, and, you know, the unorganized, sometimes these coaches aren't certified. You know, it's just a random dude coaching, and, and he gets into it with another coach, and there's just a, there's a tension there. So that happens occasionally. And I think sometimes those situations get blown out of proportion. And what I mean by that is um, you hear about that, but <clears throat> more cases than not, the AAU tournaments are organized, they're well run, uh, so there are more cases of that than the bad situations, but the bad situations get out there more. And there are, listen, there are unorganized, poorly run events, teams, and all that stuff. We've seen it. We've been involved with it. So it's definitely a negative. Now, now this past weekend, in Atlanta, two teams were playing. One team... And I don't, I don't, it's not yet clearly defined what exactly happened, but one team had a player get into it with a referee. I don't know if the referee approached the kid, got in the kid's face, if the kid got in the referee's face. But in these two videos that were released this weekend, there are kids beating up a referee. There's a referee coming from one side of the court to the other, getting into the fight, tackling a kid. Apparently, one of the referees involved, his dad was refereeing the game next to that court. He came running over to help out his son. It was just an ugly, ugly situation. And what happens with that is that video leaks out, and it's all over the Internet. And, of course, you know what happens. AAU basketball is terrible. AAU basketball is bad. It's ruining, it's ruining our youth basketball world, which is just, it's not true. I, I disagree with that. I think there are, there are way more positive things going on in AU basketball than negative. Yes, there are negative, and we need to do a better job and clean those up. But the, the positives that are going on are way too good for these, for these young people. I would not be in it for 17 years if I thought all this stuff was bad. We've been in it for 17 years and have kids that are, that are doing tremendous things all around the country. And I attribute that to positive experiences that we had in AU. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know, one of the things with me is I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. And, 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 and part of the podcast that I, I try to bring a couple things to this podcast, I try to bring information. I try to inform people. I try to give them things that maybe they've never heard before. And also storytelling. I, I think people sometimes want to hear stories of the inside scoop or things they wouldn't, wouldn't hear anywhere else. 
So I have a story, one of, one of my favorite AU stories to tell, and I, and I, I shouldn't say it's my favorite because it's not a, a positive one, but years ago when we first got into this, um, we had qualified to go down to the National AAU Tournament in Orlando. So we go down to Orlando, and our team is, is, is okay. We're not great. We're a good team. And um, while down there, we had a, a game at an off-site gym with a team that was really good. So we get there, and this, this, so our team's warming up. And... We look over and the other team that's warming up, I mean, is Tomahawk dunking. They got six, seven guards. And I'm like, oh God, we are gonna be in trouble. Let's make sure we keep this under 20. If we keep it under 20, victory for Shining Star. So we start playing and uh, we start getting beat, which I, I kind of expected. And um, we're getting beat 20 plus maybe. And I call timeout. And I had a point guard on the team that was a tough kid from the west side of Cincinnati. Tough people over there, man. Tough kid. And he says to me, man, I can't do this anymore, man. I look at him. I said, what did you say? He said, man, this, I, I, ooh. And he's just fuming. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You've never acted like this. And I'm like, are you upset because we're down by a lot? Like, this is no way to handle this particular adversity. He goes, no, man, it's that, it's that guy over there, man. He keeps saying stuff to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I look over, and he points to this guy. And there was a guy that's sitting across from our bench, courtside, that is yelling at our players. Well, I didn't hear it during the game. I'm caught up in coaching the game. But I said, well, what, what is he saying to you? And, our, and my player wouldn't tell me what this guy was saying to him. I said, listen, just ignore him. Just play the game so they go back out there and I'm looking at this guy I'm like Man, he looks kind of familiar but I, I, I couldn't see him from the distance I was away and the gym wasn't lit too great so we're, we're playing and I start seeing this guy sitting courtside yelling at my kids and I'm like what the what in the world so I call over one of the referees and I said, hey, you think that guy over there is, is, is talking to our kids, man. You got to do something about that. And the ref looked at me and said, uh-uh, I don't want any part of that. I'm like, what? What do you mean you don't want? So the referee walks away. The game continues. So I call another timeout. A couple of my players come over and said, man, I'm so sick of that guy over there. So I kind of walk over that way. And the, and the guy that's sitting courtside is no other than former New York Nick, six foot seven, 250 pound Anthony Mason. Yes, the Anthony Mason that was the bad boy of the NBA, technicals, fights, all that good stuff. Courtside yelling at my players. What in the world is Anthony Mason doing in an AU basketball game in Orlando? Well, his son was playing on the other team, Anthony Mason Jr., and he's there watching him. And I'm like, oh, God, I got to deal with this. Now, this is a big dude, by the way, 6'7", 250 pounds. And knowing his resume in the NBA, he is not to be messed with. So I kind of take a deep breath, and I'm like, you know what? I got this. You guys just go play the game. Our players go back out. 
and Anthony Mason starts chirping at our kids. And as the game's going on, I take a step on the court and I yell across the court, hey Mason, won't you shut up? Anthony Mason looks at me and stands up. And I'm here to tell you, this was a big dude. Like if you thought he was big on TV, no sir, this is a big human being. And I kind of said, man, I shouldn't have said that <laughs> after he stood up. So Anthony Mason looks at me and he starts yelling at me. So he and I start arguing back and forth while the game's going on. And the referees wanted no part of him. They didn't say a word to him. They didn't say a word to me. We're yelling and arguing at each other while the game's going on. But here's the great thing about it. He stopped yelling at my players. My players could finally play the game. We end up losing the game. So as the game's ending, Anthony Mason yells across the court, I'm going to see you outside, yelling at me. I'm like, oh, boy, you're going to see me outside. I'm Hopefully not. So my players are like, oh, boy, coach is about to get beat up. <laughs> so we get our stuff together, and I say, you know what? Let's go outside. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk, and when we walk outside, the van's to the right. You guys take off. You go right to the van. If something happens to me, you guys get in the van. So we walk outside. Anthony Mason's standing right at that door. Our kids start walking. I start walking. Anthony Mason looks at me and says, what's up? I look at Anthony Mason. I go, what's up? And he just smiled, and I kept walking. Got in the van, started the van, backed it up, drove off. Nothing happened. We're driving back to our hotel, and our player says, I thought he was going to beat you up. And I said, you know what? I think Anthony Mason was, was doing all this just to get in our head. He had no intentions of fighting me, of doing anything to you guys. He just was trying to get in our head. He was back in the NBA for that moment. That's how that dude competes. When the game was over and we walked outside, it was, what's up? He was saying hello. Game was over for him. It was one of the most bizarre situations that I've ever been in in my basketball career. And these players that played for me now are older, they're married, some have multiple kids, some are working big-time jobs. Every year, I get a text message reliving that story from one of my players about Anthony Mason because in 2015, Anthony Mason passed away. And uh, the day Anthony Mason died, I got some text messages from our players. And so every year when it's brought back up that he passed away, I get a, I get a text from one of the kids. I feel sorry. I, mean, I feel terrible he, he, he passed away and all that. But just one of the bizarre stories. And if, if you guys are familiar with uh, uh, Biggie, Biggie Smalls, Notorious B.I.G., he, he has a song that's, that's very famous called I Got a Story to Tell. It's off of his double uh, CD called um, Life After Death. And in the, in, the, in the song I Got a Story to Tell, he has an incident with a player that's in the NBA that plays for the Knicks, but he never tells who the player is. Now, Biggie's passed away, so no one ever knew 
what NBA player he had this altercation of this incident with that he talks about and I got a story to tell. So a couple years ago, another person within the music business says, you know what, I think I can finally tell you who it was that Biggie Smalls was talking about in a song I got a story to tell. It was Anthony Mason. And the only reason he told was because Anthony had passed away and he says, you know what, I think I can finally tell. So after all that time and the whole hip hop community was like, oh my God, that's who he was talking about. And then I'm going, oh my God, I got into it with Anthony Mason. Craziness. So that was one of the crazy, crazy stories that I've encountered. And what I want to do now is instead of me continue to talk about AU basketball, I want to bring in a couple folks. And the first person I want to bring in uh, is from Northeast Ohio, and he's been involved in AU for a while. And so I just wanted to get a, a different perspective on this whole AU um, experience. And so uh, also I want to have an interview with a, a, a former player of mine, someone that's playing professionally right now, to also give a player perspective on how AU helped him and help him get to where he is now. All right, look, I, I want to get some more insight into AU basketball, and I've, I've kind of talked about a lot of different things, but we, we've got to get some other perspective. And I, I want to bring in a friend from Northeast Ohio, home of LeBron James, and we're going to talk about LeBron and and him leaving the Cavs. I know I know this guy's upset about that, but we're going to talk about that shortly. We want to talk about AU basketball. He's currently coaching three teams at the AU. 11th grade, 8th grade, and 6th grade level with TMBA. I'd like to bring in my good buddy, Tyler. What's going on, man? What's up, sir? How are you? I'm doing well. Are you recovering from LeBron uh, getting on the highway and actually catching a flight and getting on the highway in L.A. and heading to the Staples Center? Man, it's a little tough. I won't lie. And then they had to kick us when, when we're down and take down his mural. But, Ooh. hey. We'll bounce back. Can't be any worse. The Browns were 0 16. Yeah, true, true. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about LeBron a little bit later. But what's going on in the AU world? I, I know you saw this fight that occurred in Atlanta this weekend between two AU teams. One player is beating up a referee, and another referee comes running in and tackles a kid. You you saw this video, right? Yep, sure did. Now, <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah. on this? Well, I mean. I mean, Meech, you know, I mean, if you go to the right tournaments, and I'm not saying that the tournament that they were at was a bad tournament, but most refs won't ever let it get to that level. Right. Um, if they do, they don't They don't really have a grasp of the situation at hand. Um, I mean, personally, I've never seen anything like that. Um, I don't know about you, but, I mean, as you know, it's hard to find really good refs that'll ref AAU at this juncture because of how crazy the parents are, the coaches, the players. It's hard to find really good refs. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, you think about this, the, a lot of the AAU refs, they're there from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. refing eight games in a day, which is way, way too much. And I, I think some tournaments you go to, they have a cap on how many games a ref can do. But a lot of times they're tired and they're not calling the game the right way, which then leads to frustration, which I'm not sure what happened. 
at this tournament in Atlanta. But obviously, these these players were upset enough to go punch a referee, which is is just crazy. And and I, I guess the negative press that started to come about from this video this weekend. I mean, you and I have talked about you coming on to this podcast and us doing a, a complete podcast talking about AU basketball. But man, it, I, I did not expect this weekend that that video would come out and that, that craziness. So there's a lot of negative press. Um, now, how long have you been involved in AU basketball? This year was my 12th year. 12th, so. Wow. Yeah, so I've I've been in it kind of. I mean, and I obviously played AAU growing up, and then all through middle school and high school and all that. But coaching wise, it's this is year twelve. Wow. So what in your twelve years, in your opinion, what are the positives of AAU basketball? The positives, the positives in my eyes are you get to play against. 90% of the time when you're playing, you're playing against kids that are obviously better than you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get yourself better. It's not the same mundane high school practice every day. Your games are Tuesday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday. It's it's The game is reffed differently. Um, no doubt it's, about it's, that. It's definitely played differently. Because um, I know... I know a lot of high school coaches that that like to walk the ball up the floor. They like to have all the control. With with AAU, there's not there's not much control other than I mean, you call a couple plays out because not every kid's going to come to every single practice. It's hard to get everything down, so you kind of have to go just off skill. And sometimes your teams just aren't skilled enough to play with those better teams that are more skilled than you are. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what gets kids a lot better, in my opinion. Um, some other positives of it are it's and it's been getting a lot of negative flack lately is the recruitment process. Okay. Um, I I'm a big fan of it. Um, it's just it's all about where you want to be and where you can see yourself playing. Everybody wants the Division One scholarship. Not every kid is a Division One kid, and it's hard to tell the parents that. And that's the hardest part for us. That listen, we're going to put your we're going to put your son or daughter in front of college coaches. I can't guarantee you anything, but if they play really well, something good's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. But them spending hotel money, gas money, food money. And if their kid doesn't get anything out of it and it comes back on us, well, I, I don't know if that's fair. But the positive side of it is we're about we're really good at putting kids in front of college coaches and in college coaches and getting them what they need. And I think that's the best part, one of the best parts of AAU, as well as getting kids better so that when they go back to their high school coaches, their high school coaches notice that, wow. This kid's handle got a lot better. His jump shot got more fluid. Defensively, he's better. He's just a better all-around basketball player. Yeah. What are, what are some of the negatives you see? Well, uh, the negatives. Um, well, I mean, you touched on it earlier. Um, the refs. I mean, they're there literally from the first game of the day until the last game of the day, and they're really good in the beginning of the day, and at the end of the day, they just want to go home. Yeah. 
No doubt. They just they, they don't call anything, and it turns into a melee. Exactly what happened on that fight this weekend. Um, granted, I don't know exactly what happened, um, but I'm assuming they just kind of let the kids play, and it got a little out of hand. But negative wise, and oh man, I'm not even gonna lie to you. The price is at the door for families to get in. I mean, that's just, it's its getting a little out of hand. I know um, a couple tournaments this weekend that were going on. It was, for one parent, it was a $75 weekend pass. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, it's getting its getting high. But, I mean, other than, other than the refs and the gate prices, I mean, I really don't see many negatives besides besides those two things to be completely honest with you okay so let, let's say this so let's say we're in orlando we're down at mm-hmm. au headquarters yep and tyler we give you a beautiful nice office a beautiful big chair and we sit you down and say you are now the ceo of au basketball you are in charge what changes do you make right away? Right away, there has to be a better way for the live periods. And that has to go hand-in-hand hand with the NCAA. Because um, I know right now it's 2 in April, 3 in July. Right. And there has to be a better way to do it, but... AAU makes so much money on those live weekends that I think you can kind of talk to the NCAA and figure out a way that it helps not them, but it also helps us. And we can kind of get a different view on things. It might be, okay, we go three in April and only two in July. It might be a little bit backwards, but I think that would be the best scenario for everybody involved. And also, the other one is, is, I mean, they're doing a better job of it now, but getting coaches that, getting certified coaches, not just a dad from the street or um, just a family member. I mean, getting guys that have been in the system that'll help AAU down the road, as well as my personal opinion um, making sure I would like to, if I was the CEO of AAU, I'd like to control all the refs that are at the certain locations mm-hmm. that I would be completely in complete control of that I could say, all right, you have four games this day, you have four games this day, you have four games this day. That's all you're refing. Right. That's it. I'm, I'm not arguing. This is who's here, who's here. I know that would be a big undertaking, but you could kind of, if you could limit, you get four games per day. That's it. But the problem is, not many refs want to do AAU. So that's where we kind of have to change the culture of it. Right. Right. I would agree with that. What, what are your thoughts on the shoe companies that are involved? I'm not, I'm not sure what year it all started, but with Nike, Adidas, uh, Under Armour is, is now a player in the game. Reebok used to be. Reebok's no longer involved. So you look at basically the, the three bigs, Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour. And, and, and listen, we, we all know 
all the investigations that went on, you know, Rick Pitino and a lot of college coaches, a lot of things that are going on behind the scenes. But what are your thoughts on the shoe companies involved with tournaments, <clears throat> sponsoring clubs, different organizations? Um, I mean, I'll I like the idea of it um, if it's done correctly. Um, I mean, I I know guys that. Do, um, do, do you think it's being done correctly now? No. Okay. I do not. I do not. I think it could be it could be done completely different. Um, and I think if if it's done completely different and it's done correctly, then it could actually be a huge help to both the shoe company and the kids that are playing. Mm -hmm. But right now, the way it's being ran, it's just all it is. It's a in my opinion, it's a money grab. Yeah, that's that's my that's how I've always felt on it. Yeah, but I think if you could tweak it a little bit, it could really be a useful tool for both the athlete and the shoe brand. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, and you tell me if you think differently, but I'm, I'm trying to get our listeners, and I tell a lot of people how this world works. So the shoe companies look at it on a couple of different levels. So the shoe company, let's say Nike. Nike's attached to the Nike colleges that are out there, the, the Arizonas, UK. And you can go on down to the lower level D1s, and what their goal is to, you know, you, you've got, you know, in a, a Nike-sponsored AU team, and you've got kids on that team, and you're hoping to push those kids to Nike colleges. So if I run a uh, Nike-sponsored um, program here in Cincinnati, um, and, you know, we're getting money and gear, and we're going to Nike events, they're going to want my better players to go to Nike schools. So then in turn, if those players happen to turn out to be the next big thing, maybe they're the, the you know, a lottery picked in the draft, they get drafted, who are they going to sign with? Nike. And they don't want Adidas, Under Armour, to get that Nike. This is a Nike kid. He's been Nike. He's been with us from eighth grade on. And they don't want to miss out because the impact LeBron James has had, you know, on Nike and their and their bottom line, they don't want to miss out on the next guy. Of course, Michael Jordan kind of started that all, but we watched LeBron from the start. Like he was crowned the king early on. And we watched that process. We watched Adidas and Nike fight over him at the high school and the AU level. Am I right or wrong on that? No, you're completely right. You're completely right. And I think the outliers of that whole the whole argument that you just had was those guys that just went in the draft that just signed with Puma. <laughs> How about that? I mean, that's I mean that's I mean, I give Puma credit. I mean they they, they went after it and they said, We're not we're not gonna wait around, we're gonna do this and I know and I think if I'm correct, I think Bagley Bagley Ayton Yep, and the other—I can't remember the other kid's name. They were all Nike guys. Yep, they went to Nike high schools, played yep. for Nike teams. Yep, they went to Nike colleges. Yep, and bam, they went to Puma. Yep, yep. what happened? I want to know, like, if there was any way possible that I could find out what happened. Well, I can tell you partly what happened. I think it's—and I can't speak for every single guy that signed with them, but 
I know in one situation, and it was kind of like a, it was a little bit of double dipping where Jay-Z is now president of Puma Basketball. Did you know that? Yes, yes. So Jay-Z also owns Rock Nation Management, which they manage Kevin Durant and a lot of other players. So what happens is as, as Jay-Z is trying to manage Bagley, Aiden, and those guys, he's also saying, well, I'm also with Puma. Come sign with Puma. So now you sign the dotted line with us, you get paid. Now you also get a shoe deal here. You're getting paid. So for Jay-Z, it's a smart business move. He's, he's now able to do you know, two things at once. So now you've got a guy like, let's say, Bagley. He can go and sign with Puma for two to three years, let's say, for way more money than what Nike was going to give him. And at the end of the day, when he's done with that, he, he can go on to, to Nike. But it, it seemed that Nike and some of the others weren't able to match that money that they would get up front. It was just, it was just too big. And then plus Jay-Z possibly being their agent. That's that's what kind of was in play. I can't speak for every guy, but I know for one guy in particular. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's kind of I mean, Jay Z's part smart play. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great play. Um, I I agree with it. And I mean, if it if I'm correct, it even um, even back in the day, somebody was with Puma, and they left Puma, and I believe they went to Nike. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was it might have been Jerry Stackhouse. Man. Right out of the gate. But I don't but don't quote me on it. I thought I remember reading something about that. But I mean, like you said, if Nike can't match it, I mean why can't they when they, they've been their kids through middle school, high school, college, yeah. you don't you don't want to stay loyal? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I think for I think for those players, those players are looking at it purely from a money standpoint, and they're looking at what comes. So they're not really signing with Puma, in my opinion. They're signing with Jay Z and Rock Nation sure. and th- the other things that come with it. So I don't know that Nike was able to say, okay, let's let's let let them go. We're going to get them at some point, which they possibly could. I, I, I'm not sure how long those contracts are with with Puma, but it's just so interesting how everything's going to play out here. You know, I'm hearing that in a couple years, the shoe companies are going to totally get out of the AU game. Like, they're not going to host tournaments. You won't see the EYBL, the gauntlet, the association. Um, you know, you, you possibly will still see teams getting Nike, Adidas, Under Armour gear, but you won't see them as involved as they've been in the past. Now, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but they're saying that it, it could go down, and, and AU could go back to how it was you know, when I first got into it 17 years ago. Right. That, that, that honestly, I could see happening um, because of, I think, ha- more than half of it has to do with all the investigations and everything. Right. And they're kind of, they're kind of pulling back. Um, but I'll be honest. I mean, there's a lot of real good non-shoe teams in the state of Ohio. Absolutely. I mean, really good non-shoe teams that, if not can compete, can beat all the shoe teams in the state of Ohio. Without I mean, a doubt. I mean, there's there's a lot of good, and I think that goes for any state. But I think 
I, I think you're right. Eventually, they're going to have to pull back. And I think with the inception of USA Youth Hoops and potentially changing the recruiting period for everything in in coherence with the NCAA, that I mean, that could change everything. Mm-hmm. And it could change. It, it could flip AAU on its head if the NCAA goes strictly with the USA Youth Hoops. Um, recruiting times mm-hmm. that would I mean a you would be in July would be basically null and void right right I mean the way that USA youth hoops has everything set up that you get to, okay a you you get two weeks in April but you don't get anything in July and it, and it used to be everything was in July do you remember that yep I all, do all the live period events were in July yep man we're getting old, man. We've, we've been we in this, are getting old. We've been in this for a while. All right, let's hey, let's segue out real quick and, and talk about your guy, LeBron Raymond James. Yeah. Hey. I, I was telling you, we were text messaging, and I told you, I said, Tyler, that ship has sailed. There's no way he is going back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. You had hope. Yeah. You had hope, though, Tyler. Hey, I'm a, I'm a Clevelander. Um, I was hoping, like you said, but I mean, and I think it's a little different than it was in 2010 when he first left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody kind of understands it now. I mean, were people upset? Absolutely. I mean, that's he's one of our guys. He's a he's an Akron guy. He's a Northeast Ohio guy. Um, but I think everybody gets it now. But. I still don't understand what the Lakers are doing. I mean, you you might have the worst shooting team in the NBA now. Well, tell me if you and I know you you had texted that to me. Now, I don't I don't think I I started thinking about this more and more. This was a very very stressful season for LeBron James. Even though they made it to the finals, this has to have been not only it one it was one of the best statistical seasons of anybody in the NBA playoffs regular season. LeBron James was was awesome, right? We agree on that. Absolutely. And I mean, playing eighty two games, making it to the finals, um, but at the same time, that was a stressful season. And maybe that first game of the playoffs was. One of the toughest games on him with with your guy, your buddy, J.R. Smith, doing whatever, doing J.R. Smith stuff, right? But I think, yeah, I, I think, I think playing eighty, playing eighty two, playing seven against the Pacers, and then beating on the redheaded stepchild, the Raptors, <laughs> sweeping them quickly, right? Um, and then game seven, and then playing seven with the Celtics even without their two best guys. Um, and then going into game one, you have you have Golden State on the ropes. Right. Um, you literally, you have, George Hill makes that free throw. We might not even be talking about LeBron James in L.A. Right. I, that very I, well I, could be true. You don't know. Because I, personally, I think if you steal, I, if you steal game one, it's it's a totally different series. I do. I, um, I, hey, I agree with you on that. I still think the Warriors win, but I do think it's a different series. I agree with you. I think. I mean, nobody's 
nobody last year would have beat Golden State. I mean, Houston Houston had a chance to do it, yeah. but CP3 goes down. But with that being said, I think a lot of it weighed on LeBron saying, I don't know if I can play with these guys another year. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm liter- I literally have to do everything. So t- I have to dribble. I, ha- I have to do everything. So take all that, Tyler, and think about this. I started thinking about it more and more, and I said, you know what? I think LeBron, this coming season with the Lakers, would rather just use it as a season to kind of recover. Not worrying about putting together a roster that's going to win a, uh, an NBA championship or even make it to the finals. If they do, great, whatever, whatever. But just kind of recovering from what happened this past season. And then get your pieces in place and whatever shakes down with Kawhi or whoever else you can pick up next year, and then go for your run. That's what, that's what I started thinking about. Now, I didn't think this initially, but recently more and more I'm thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, you, that's, a, that's a valid point because a um, couple of other, other AAU coaches and I were at dinner the other night and we were talking about it. The one said he goes, he might only play sixty games this year, mm-hmm. and just kind of, just kind of kick back and kind of just. You're exactly right. Just recover. Yeah, and not really. Ha- and if if they get the eight seed and they get knocked out in the first round, he gets that extended break. Right. Even more recovery time, and then the following year, that's when they kick it in gear. Um, will I ever be a Laker fan? Because he went there. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like the Golden State Warrior fans that are going to go back and be Laker fans now. Right. Um, I'm not that kind of guy. But, I mean, do I think you're correct? Absolutely. I think he's going to end up – it's going to end up being a recovery season. He might not even average more than 25 a game. It just might be one of those relaxed seasons. Yeah. I don't know. We don't know, though. But right. Because I don't know how that guy's mind works. And he's, he's, a, he's a strong individual. So – I, I don't know, but if I had to put my put my money where my mouth is, I think I think you're spot on with that. And I'm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end it on this, Tyler. My prediction is LeBron James will come back to Cleveland and play one season with his son and retire. I'm calling it now. Oh, oh. no! But it, it, listen, that's obviously that's a that's a stretch. A lot of a lot of things have to be in play. You know, they have to change the rule as far as Bronny being drafted at 18, which I think will happen. Um, sure. Also, would the Cavs draft him? And a lot of things have to have to be in place. But I mean, I, I really do at the end of the day think LeBron wants to do whatever he can to make sure he plays one season with his son, either with or against, but just being in the NBA with his son. And I, I do think that would be a, a be a cool story. Yep, I, I agree. I think that I think that's ultimately why he signed the contract that he did in LA. Yeah. So that wherever wherever his son gets drafted, he's gonna go play at that for that franchise for one year. Yeah. So that he can kind of show his son how to do everything right say this is this is how it's done this is how you do it correctly but it would be kind of cool if he if he did it in cleveland i don't know if dan gilbert would want him back again yeah but i know the city of cleveland would be okay with it i know i would for sure for sure 
Well, hey, bud, hey, I, I really appreciate it, man. Some great insight on AAU basketball, and I had to get somebody else that was involved in AAU, and you've been doing it 12 years. You're coaching three teams. Man, that's 30-plus sets of parents. Yeah. Okay? That's a lot. It's, it's, it is a lot. So you, it's a lot. You definitely uh, have been involved. Do a great job. Otherwise, I, you know, I wouldn't have you on the podcast and ask your opinion, but I do think you do a great job and you, you care about the kids. So, hey, I really appreciate you coming on. And um, I just want to let you know we'll be texting during the basketball season for the NBA because I will be cheering for the Lakers this year. <laughs> I didn't. I don't <laughs> doubt that one. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Hey, appreciate you coming on, man. We'll catch up. You got it, Alex. Thanks, right. buddy. No problem. Take yep. care. Bye-bye. Man, I, want, I mean, I appreciate Tyler coming on. I mean, just, just great feedback. And, of course, I'm going to give him a lot of uh, Laker talk this, this coming season, talking about LeBron. But now I just want to jump right into bringing in another guest. And like I said before, I want to I have in someone that has a player perspective um, on the whole AAU situation and just talk about some other things about his experience um, playing basketball. So I want to jump right on into this. All right, I'd like to bring in our special guest. Went to LaSalle High School. Actually has a birthday coming up July 17th. Uh, then went on to play basketball at Bowling Green, 2009 to 2013. Played in the NBA G League, the Westchester Knicks, the Memphis Hustle. Is currently playing overseas. And, and if you've ever seen this young man play, he is the epitome of what you want to see out of any person growing up playing basketball. He plays with so much heart, so much effort, but also probably more importantly, his basketball IQ is through the roof. I'd like to bring in Cincinnati's own Jordan Crawford. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm, hey, thanks for coming on. I know you're on vacation. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Miami right now. Miami, MIA. Yes, How, How is it down there? That's amazing. Beautiful. Great weather. It's perfect. Now, you recently, you just played in the, uh, the uh, Pro-Am, uh, one of the Pro-Am games, correct? Yeah, the Miami Pro League down here. Yeah. T tell us a little bit about that real quick. Um, we, uh, I work out down here with a guy named Remy, and um, uh, the first opening night was uh, this past Tuesday, and uh, we we pulled up to the game, We uh, and next thing you know, I see D-Wade's out there. You got uh, Drummond. Uh, we got Beyonce Weber. Uh, who else? Uh, Reed. Tim Hardaway Jr. And and we got after it. And we got after it. Yeah, I, I saw some of the clips on the internet, man. That really took off on the internet, especially with, with D-Wade being there and his son playing. Yeah, his son played with us, with our team. Now, his son is 16 years old, correct? Yes, he's going to be a junior. Wow. How good is he? He is. He's very good. He's very good. He, you can tell he knows the game, too. His dad, you can tell his dad teaches him a lot. He listens. You can tell he's definitely a um, Wade is his role model. Yeah, for sure. So, what, what would you think about this? So, let's, let's, let's forecast a little bit. Now, I know D. Wade's a little bit older, um, and he, he's starting to wind down his career, but could you see the day that D. Wade's in the NBA, his son's in the NBA, LeBron's in the NBA, 
and LeBron's sons in the NBA. How crazy would that be? That would be wild. I, th- I think they're trying, to, they're trying to hold it out so they can do it. They're doing everything they can in their power to make sure their bodies can withhold that long. No doubt, and LeBron James is, I mean, it's well documented that he spends $1.52 million on his body every correct. single year. And I, I'm sure D-Wade does the same thing. Correct, correct. Now, the guy that trains you, he also trains D-Wade? Yeah, he trains a lot of the Heat guys. A lot of people even just come down for vacation to Miami and stuff. So it's definitely good work. Yeah, for sure. Now, for, for those that want to get on social media, Instagram and Twitter, and kind of follow your journey. Can you kick out your social media real quick? Yeah, my social media is I am underscore J Craw. I A M underscore J C R A W. Got it. So listen, the pretty much the focus of this podcast, we're talking a lot about AAU basketball. And, okay. Okay. and, and I don't know if you saw, but yesterday it hit the internet that there was a big fight in Atlanta. Oh yeah, I, I seen bits and pieces of it, but I didn't. Like, I didn't. I didn't fully like get the whole story behind it. It was crazy. So it's it's still not known what exactly transpired before the video started, but what some people say is, the one of the refs and one of the players. I think the two teams. Um, it was in Atlanta, and I'm not sure where both teams were from. If they were from the area, but they're playing, and the ref made a call. And I think the ref and the player got into it. And apparently the ref, I don't know if this to be true, this is one side saying this, but the ref kind of approached the kid and got in his face. And then the kid, you know, attacked him. And so other players were attacking him. And then now people are throwing blows and they're beating up the referees. Now, here's the crazy part about it. You're, and your dad referees a lot. I've seen him around town doing a lot of uh, refereeing. But... The, on the other court, the referee that's getting beat up on the one court, his dad is refing a game on the other court. Oh, wow. <laughs> and his dad comes running over Jordan and tackles one of the kids, and then they start hitting his dad. That was crazy. Wow. <laughs> that's wild. Very, very wild. And, and then so what happened was the conversation started on Twitter and just started on the Internet about – AU basketball and what I wanted to do this podcast was talk about you know the positives and the negatives of AU basketball and and you played a lot of AU basketball and I want to get your opinion on your experience playing AU basketball just as a young person um, all the way through you know going into your senior year of high school and what your experience was like. Um, AU was uh I had a great time at AAU. Uh, I think a lot of, especially when it comes to the um, the team and stuff, like how close I was to my team because you're traveling together. And it might be we took we took sometimes we took long van van rides, uh, uh, car rides, flying, whatever the case may be. But um, we definitely was with each other for a, a lot of period of time of the summer, and we became really close. Um, but the, I. I feel like the negative side of it is as far as um, just the, all the media and the hype that goes into it. You get kids that are getting ranked at the age of five years old, six years old. Right. You know, and, um, you know, they get all these hype. And it's, just, it's a lot on the kid because at the same time, this is for 
you know, it's taken away from enjoying the game of basketball as well for, for kids and stuff. And um, I think AAU is more just up and down basketball. It's not You're not really learning anything either. Um, I know when I played, I played with you, and our co- that's why we won a lot of games because we ran – we ran sets all the time. Right. I learned throughout the process. And a lot of times it's just roll the ball out and the best talent's going to win the game. You know, so it's a, it's a hit and miss with it because even some guys don't even play high school basketball because of AAU. Right. You know, it's taken away from high school as well. Yep, for sure. So, so for you, if you can pinpoint one thing that helped you, if you could say this one thing from AU helped me, what would that be? Um, definitely the exposure for sure. Not even, even the exposure of, of play, not just of coaches watching me play, but the, the, the exposure on the talent wise of me playing against people all over the country. And, you know, I might be the best in my area and then now I'm facing somebody that might be better than me. How do I, how do I react to that? And how did I, um, you know, overcome that and, and face adversity when that trial hit me. So I think that was the biggest thing that helped me to be able to, when I got to college and coming in with all different guys from all different parts of, uh, of the United States, it, it made me adjust a little quicker. Yeah, now you said something about exposure. For, from a college coaching standpoint, a lot of these college coaches go out to AU tournaments and they watch players and recruit them. How was that process for you? And, and as I said earlier, you ended up at Bowling Green. You had a great career. How did that? How did that process go for you? Um, I think the process was a little, actually, a little pretty slow for me. Um, you know, I had, uh, I think, one offer going into my senior year of high school, and I took that right away. Um, you know, I did amazing when I played, and it just. Nobody wanted to take, I guess, what they call it, a risk for, because I was so small. Right. Um, so it was just really waiting it out. And when I got my first offer, I took it. And it just got willing that it all worked out to where our, our coach retired. And I got to um, decommit and went to a bigger school for there. So I think it was just basically waiting it out and just always staying the course and not giving up on it as well. Because, you know, a lot of guys ask me, you know, I, I still haven't got no looks. Like I still, you see, I always tell them they just keep doing what you're doing, and it, it, it'll take time. For sure. And you, you, you said something a second ago um, that that people said about you being small. And what are you, five six? Five six. So, so it, 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 six foot on some day. <laughs> you wish, right? So, but you, you have to being being five six, being a smaller player. You have to make up in another area or other areas where you have to be exceptional. Am I right? Right. right. And, you know, one of the things about you in high school, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were, weren't you defensive player of the year in the yeah, GCL, right? Mm-hmm. And, and those, I mean, your quickness. And I, I think one thing with you that has always stuck out is such a high basketball IQ. And so, so where do you think you got your high basketball IQ from? Um, I think it's just being around the game so long, and with, even with my dad and him, even when we leave games and stuff. When I was in AAU, always telling me maybe try this or try that. And then, I mean, some you never stop learning. Like uh, what I've known, this, what I learned, like the last like two. 
three years playing and even when I when I go work out with guys, I always try to soak up from playing, whether it's like uh, learning from Kyle Lowry with him every summer, like really soaking up everything possible. Like even if it's going out to eat or something or watching a, a college game or something with some of these guys and just listening to what they have to say and really soaking everything up I can, I think that's what which definitely is boosting my IQ still to this day. Every day I'm learning. Yep. Always, always learning. That's that's definitely a key. And something you just said is such a it's such a strong suit that you have, and that's your ability to connect with people and to stay connected. And I talk to young people a lot about you've got to get out and meet people. You can't sit in the corner. You can't sit on your phone all day. You've got to get out and meet people. Once you meet them, now you have to stay connected. And I think you, you have been you have not only just in my program and just in general people that I know you've been one of the best at that and you've made some great connections you've already said some names of some people between Remy that you work out with uh, D Wade and just a lot of people that you've you've connected with and I think that shows a special person that has the ability to do that with I think people you can't easily get in contact or get connected with like you know, it's not easy for somebody to get connected with a D. Wade or um, Kyle Lowry or just other people. It, it, it's a strong connection in, in your ability to do that. Um, and I'm sure you get a lot of that from your parents. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it all started back with, um, again, goes to AU and even being uh, at LaSalle and, and, and starting with the diversity from a, a younger age and just embracing everything and now like as I get older even I tell people all the time as far as um like even your attitude every day can kind of um you know blind you or cause a fogginess of just throughout the day whether you're at dinner and you might you might hear something that a next table might be talking about that might be interest you at at, at the time and you might say something like, oh, i sorry to ease in, you know, but I couldn't help to overhear such and such. And next thing you know it, you might be talking to somebody who owns uh, a whole town square building or something. Right. You know, at, at any time you can meet any anybody. And it's just about always being good to, to people and just having a good attitude. I think that's the biggest thing is, is being yourself and having a good, positive attitude towards everything. And all, all everything else falls into place. I, I totally agree with that. You, you, you've said it better than I've said it to some kids, and I, I, try to, I try to give them that message, so I'm glad you said that. And, and one of the people you've connected with, I know <clears throat> just locally here, you've gotten to know and uh, friends with Adrian Broner, and then through that also uh, Floyd Mayweather. And him being such a him being such a figure not only in, in, in just in sports but, but now also in business, um, you, you spent time with him. And what are some of the things that you took away and you learned from Floyd? Because, you know, just imagine if someone could be around um, a Michael Jordan. And I think LeBron James recently obviously went to the L.A. Lakers. And I think part of that, which will come out later, is – he now has the ability to be around and be mentored by the great Magic Johnson. Right. And you know you try to soak up and absorb as much information from those people. So with you being around Floyd as much as you have, what have you learned from him? What have you absorbed? 
Um, I think it's just about, um, it's a few things I would say, uh, probably just as far as just how you carry yourself in general, you know, uh, the meeting and being able to, to turn, turn the switch on and off from to being a basketball player then going into the business world as well. You got to be able to flip the switch and be able to do both. Um, him and Floyd and, and his best friend, uh, P. Rilla, always tell me, like, you're not just a basketball player. You're, you're a businessman first. And I think that's the biggest thing, that basketball is going to come to an end and you have to set things up for you now while your value is high to be able to, when you retire or whenever it is, that you still can fall back on something else as well. So I think that's the biggest thing is the business mind, the mindset behind it, as well as being an elite um, athlete that it's a it's a mindset as well in that and how, how you prepare for everything and that you got to be able to turn it on then too. It's a time to lock in when you need to lock in when it comes to the basketball and time to where you, you need to take care of your body as well. Yeah, for, for sure, absolutely. So... Give us, and, and I, I have to ask this question, give us your best story. Like, give us a great story with, with you and Floyd. Uh, best story. I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure you have a lot. <laughs> I had a few. I, I say the one was, uh, we, was going to, uh, we was going to Miami, and it was just me and him that was uh, going down there, and we go to the to the Clearport, and all of a sudden he says, you know, LeBron plays in Cincinnati today. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did see that. He said, you know, we got to stop by there. That's, I, we stopped out in Cincinnati and went to the game, and we actually met up with, with you later on that night or whatever. Yep. And uh, that was that was a crazy one. Or it, when we got down to Miami, it was so crazy. Floyd was asleep, and I acted like I was going to slap him. And then he just, like, felt it. And I didn't even touch him. He was like, he was like, you gonna do that to me, family? I'm like, how did you even know I was about to do that? Come on, he was sleeping. That's crazy. That's but that that one night was crazy. That I'm on my way to go watch LeBron James. It was an exhibition game for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and mm-hmm. it was at Xavier. And I had tickets to it, and I had a, four or five people going with me. And as I'm getting ready to walk in, I get a call that. Floyd's people were reaching out to Xavier, you know, to get some seats available. And I'm like, what? So then that's when I hit you. And then it all it all connected. And uh, we met up downtown um, at that building. And one thing I took away from that was um, each time that I've been with you and I've met Floyd, um, just his ability that he treated me like I was very important which it ties back to what you were saying you just never know the person you're talking to who they might be and I think he had that like when he spoke with me or or the the people that were with me he always was inquisitive well what do you do who are you blah 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 because you just never know he could easily just said oh this dude's probably nobody I'm gonna go you know hang out over here but But back to what we were talking about, the ability to connect with people. And he's a guy, he's number one on the Forbes list for, right? There's a reason behind that. There's a, There's a reason behind that. Absolutely, man. And, and segueing that into business, um, you've, you've done a great job. And we've talked about this a lot about you getting into business. 
Um, you've, you've put on a couple basketball camps here in Cincinnati. You have Holy Hooper, and I want you to take some time and talk about that. Yeah, um, I basically uh, recently started like a Christian uh, basketball brand uh, called Holy Hooper. You know, I, I wanted to do something because I feel like I'm a, I'm a real strong faith guy, and that's where my base is. And I was trying to find a way to, to basketball and my faith because those are my two strongest uh, points. And we came up with the Holy Hooper, and it's basically um, a brand to represent basketball and Christ at the same time. And we just started up not a few, a few months ago, and we got uh, T-shirts available and um, bands available. Hats are coming soon, and you can go on the, uh, Instagram at Holy Hooper. Yep. Yep. And you can get your merch, uh, merchandise on there. Okay. So they can link through your Instagram? Yeah, through the Instagram, yeah. Okay. And how's all that going, man, that transition into that, that business side of things? Oh, it's going, it's going well. It's still, um, it's a lot learning. Uh, it's a different different world, you know, so I'm still learning. And now it's, it's different being when you're being at the top when you're in your field and then now you're jumping to another field you have to start back at the bottom. It's a, it's a humble uh, experience, you know. So I'm just learning and enjoying it and, just trying to take it as much as I can from it. For sure. And you had two successful basketball camps? Yeah, the camps went, went amazing. Uh, we had about a total of probably about 75 kids that showed up. Right. Uh, it, was, uh, it was so much fun. So It was time, but we had a blast doing it. It was amazing. Those kids will wear you out, man. They will. They, they definitely will. It's like know how much energy you need it. It's, yeah, no doubt. It's like playing a, an NBA game. Like, you're that tired after. It really is. Like, when I when I was done, I felt like I played a full game. And then think about working out later on, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> How am I going to do this? No doubt, man. Well, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you added some great insight. You, yeah, no doubt, man. And, and tell your family I said hello. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. And we've got to connect up. Um, I'll be back in LA in August and hopefully I can swing on over to Vegas if you're going to be okay, back out yeah. there. Of course, yeah, I'll be I'm I'm be heading out there with probably um this week actually. Okay. Okay. Good deal, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on and uh I'm definitely going to get at you a little later on. Okay, sounds good. Hey, good Jordan. I appreciate, it, man. I'm telling you, man, Jordan, Jordan Crawford is an amazing, amazing dude. If you ever get on YouTube and watch him his videos and see him play, man, it's just it's so fun watching that dude play how much heart and, and, and desire he plays with. So this Wednesday, I leave for three weeks and I'm going on three different AU trips. First off, I'm headed to the Adidas Invitational in Indianapolis. Then I'm off to Louisville for the all-in tournament. And then I'm headed down to my second home, Florida. I'm headed to Orlando, Florida to the AU National Headquarters for the Super Showcase. So you know this, when I come back in town from all these trips, I'm going to have some stories to tell about AU. And I want to do a follow-up podcast from this podcast. I want to actually probably bring in a couple of my players to talk a little bit about AU and their experience as well. I always love to hear their perspective on things. But hey, listen, we had two great interviews. I hope everyone enjoyed the information that I shared with them. Hopefully you enjoyed the Anthony Mason story, which people still laugh at <laughs> me about that whole story. But 
um, RIP Anthony Mason. Once again, you can follow us on social media. No Further Comments Podcast is on Instagram and Twitter, at NFC Podcast. We're also on Facebook. No Further Comments. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook, Alex Meacham. Also on Snapchat for the young folks out there, Big Meach 41. I want to thank everybody for listening to another Basketball Insider edition of the No Further Comments podcast, episode number 14. I'm off for three weeks, off to do some AAU basketball, and when I get back, we're going to talk some more AAU basketball. Thank everybody for listening, and of course, bring on a smooth operator, Big Daddy Kane.